Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2015 film Strange Magic. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Hello there. I've done it again. I've brought up my cup of peppermint tea and the tea bag's still in it and I've got no <laughs> spoon or receptacle to dump it in. So I'm oh, just going to have to drink it with the tea bag in, which I feel is really quite beastly behaviour. <laughs> That's very uncouth. It's the kind of thing that a bog king would do. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Not I... because you're calling me a bog king, of course. <laughs> I was thinking of a way to start off this episode with a song, as we often do. But I was spoiled for choice because this week's movie is just fucking songs. <laughs> say, we're talking about a musical this week. I was—I really thought you were going to take one of those songs and make it into something great. But no, I feel like neither of us has had the energy to do that for quite a while, which There's... is typical of this sort of year-end slump, isn't it? <laughs> There's too many. That's the thing. There too many t- to choose from. There are too many songs to choose from in this awful film. Um... I don't know if you want to jump straight into it, or if you've got any preamble you want to go through today. The only other thing I want to talk about was Ridley Scott and Napoleon, so... (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm very excited about this movie that everyone seems to hate. Yeah, everyone seems to hate before it's even come out. Give Joaquin Phoenix a chance. (laughs) I'm really excited. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? <laughs> um, so, it's one of those things, right? I mentioned this to you, um, that I'm in two minds about Napoleon. Is it just called Napoleon? It's just called Napoleon. Called? There was, I saw a massive billboard for it at Waterloo this morning. It was actually quite disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think that Napoleon's back and he's doing a kind of very heavy PR campaign for himself. This is his press tour, yeah. I mean, they could have come up with a better name. Napoleon is back. Wasn't that a, a Christmas film? I oh, know that was um, Father Christmas is back. <laughs> they, they could have come up with a better name for it than, than Napoleon. It's quite dull. They should have called it something else. Yeah, something like, you are going to hate this, nerds. <laughs> this ain't your mama's Napoleon. <laughs> Something like this is a sassy new Napoleon. Ridley Scott's feelings don't care about your facts. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically yeah. People are already starting to point out the historical flaws in it, such as that he didn't actually point his cannons at the pyramids in Egypt or whatever. And Ridley Scott's basically <laughs> got got on record and said he doesn't care. And I actually really respect him for that. I he said, "Look, we needed a way funny. to signify that he was in Egypt." You nerds are going to pick this apart, whatever I do. So look, I'm just making a fun film. If you don't like it, I'm however old I am. I haven't got time for this anymore. I don't care. I'm making the film I'm making, and here it is. That's why the movie ends with Napoleon being abducted by aliens. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part. (laughs) And then tying into the alien slash Prometheus cinematic universe. (laughs) That's, that's, That's the big shock twist at the end. It's the most ambitious crossover event in history. (laughs) so napoleon um i'm in two minds because i enjoy things that irritate nerds yeah and this is something that's really irritated nerds because uh, actually his 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 jacket would be a darker shade of gray they didn't have that kind of gray in that time period that curvature of hat was not available until (laughs) a decade after that battle everyone knows that um i love it when those kind of people get annoyed by movies. Yeah, um, which is why Holmes and Watson is the greatest film ever made. Because not only <laughs> is it a why... comic masterpiece, it annoys nerds <laughs> as well. So it's got the double whammy. What the, the really should do is a crossover between Napoleon and um, Holmes and Watson. Oh, that would be great. Whacking Phoenix and Will Ferrell just biting into onions in a series of ahistorical costumes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, however, I am in two minds because, like, serious biopics about historical figures are the kind of movie that I hate more than any other. And I don't know why we needed a movie about Napoleon. We didn't. But if Ridley so, Scott wants to make it, who's going to stop him? <laughs> but my question to Ridley Scott is, why did he not put this time and energy into making A Good Year 2? <laughs> Russell Crowe's greatest film, the peak of his Russell, career. <laughs> Russell Crowe moves on to make a better wine than his previous wine. Or maybe he moves to the uh, the, the Charente Maritime area and starts making cognac instead Ooh. of wine. That could be the plot to A Good Year 2, which I know that that's what everybody's been clamouring for. Genuinely, I, I, I like A Good Year. I think it's a very pleasant movie. That's what the people want. Um, and again, I like it because people are really angry that Ridley Scott made a uh, a quite relaxed, happy film about someone making wine <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of angry swordmen, which is what he'd done for a lot before that. Um, because because a good year came out after Kingdom of Heaven, um, a Black Hawk Down, Hannibal Gladiator. So off the the backs of some very angry movies about men being angry and hurting each other, and then all of a sudden. Here's Russell Crowe making wine. Yeah. Love it. And then back on with American Gangster Body of Lies, Robin Hood. Um, but it's a wonderful little outlier in his career. A good year. Yeah, I'd, I've never seen it. I like it. What is it on anything? Because if so, we could actually choose to watch that. We could. Because we've still got one week left before Christmas movie season starts. Well, I, on that subject, I was actually going to suggest that we start early because I'm about three episodes behind on the edits. So unless we want to be <laughs> putting Christmas content out in January, uh, which the nerds will in dislike, which, in which so actually we sh- maybe we should do that because that'll uh, annoy actually, nerds. Actually, Christmas is over by January. Why are they putting out Christmas episodes? It's up to you if you if you want to. And then actually, I could say to those nerds, actually, Christmas la- technically lasts until the Epiphany, which is the sixth of January. So if we want to do a Christmas episode on the fifth of January, you'll have to listen to it and you'll have to enjoy it. You know, if we wanted to do a Christmas episode on the 7th of June, we could do because we decide what comes out on this podcast. You don't get to tell us what to do, listeners. We play by our own rules with Maverick Renegades, long meandering like ventures into nowhere. Yeah, we'll do that. We don't care if you find it boring, <laughs> we're enjoying ourselves. Um yeah um yeah well should we leave a good year until the new yeah yeah to make it a good year absolutely i think that's a great idea yeah cool it looks like it might be on disney plus so we can watch it on disney plus in the cool year. everything um, good's on disney plus eventually we would have got to it from the random generator but we need to be intentional <laughs> we, we, about it this we time we would have we would have but yeah no let's do a good year we'll have to remember we'll, we'll start off 2024 with a good year um but we're ending the pre-Christmas period with a movie that I'd never heard of before, had kind of disappeared into the ether, and can I say it disappeared into the ether for good reason? Yeah, once you watch it, you're like, yeah, I, I, I can see why, but I, I don't remember seeing any advertising for this, I don't remember hearing about this ever, I'd never heard or seen anything about this until it came up on the random generator, which is funny because it's it's got a story by George Lucas. Yes. So this week's film is Strange Magic. This was a project that George Lucas was working on for apparently 15 years before production began. (laughs) Which is funny because it looks like it was worked on for 15 days, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At least the planning side of it. (laughs) So um, essentially what seems to have happened is that Lucasfilm were working on it um, with Industrial Light and Magic and they were working on it and then along the way of course Disney bought out Lucasfilm Mm -hmm. right at the end of 2012 that went through or, or, or that's when it was announced and then they were in the process of doing the buyout and this was the first 
film, um, the first Lucasfilm film to be released by Disney uh, after the buyout. I think... Oh, yeah. So was this released then before The Force Awakens? So I guess it must have been. Unless unless they shifted The Force Awakens over to um, a different section of Disneyness, but I don't think they did. So this must have predated the same year. Same year, and this came out twenty fifteen. January the twenty third, twenty fifteen. Oh, that's before then, because because I remember going to see the Force Awakens with my dad in December time, and everything about it shouts that Disney had this project there that maybe wasn't entirely finished, and they just said, just finish it off, do whatever, we don't care. Just get it sorted, just and then we're done. going to release it, and we're not going to publicize it, and we're just <laughs> going to crap it out. Um, and and why do I say this? Well, because it came out in January, which is normally the dumping ground for movies from studios that they don't want to do anything with anymore. Um, it was released on Touchstone. That's very Pictures. unfair to Holmes and Watson, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure came out in January. Um, Nowadays, what they probably would have done is use it as a tax write-off, which is what Warner Brothers have been doing with millions of projects. I don't know if you've seen this. No. It's absolutely atrocious. They've got these finished products, and they've realized that they can get a better tax write-off for confirmed money than run the risk of releasing these things. So right. they have Can canned... I just correct myself? Um, Holmes and Watson came out on Christmas Day 2018. Oh. What <laughs> do you think anyone went to see it on Christmas Day? I wish I had gone to go and see it on Christmas Day. How Hang great on. would your Christmas have been if you're like, right, I'm full of turkey, stuffed with stuffing, let's go to the cinema and watch Holmes and Watson. Perfect Christmas. That actually is the perfect Christmas film. Um, I might watch it on Christmas Day if I can get away <laughs> from other people. Go and sit there and watch Holmes and Watson on Christmas Sorry, Day. family. I don't want to play Monopoly. I don't want to sit around and, yeah. Well, look, what are you going to do? Are you going to watch the Queen's Speech or are you going to watch Holmes and Watson? Boring. Are you going to watch the... Oh, no, it's the King's Speech, of course, now. Oh, are course, you going to watch yeah. Chucky 3 talking about stuff or are you <sighs> going to watch a man eat a raw onion yep, like and, an apple? And urinate in the street. <laughs> you've got two choices there (laughs) nothing else what are you gonna go for we all know what the real answer is um but but yes january is often the dumping ground for projects Um, apart from like i said warner brothers have gotten into this trend of um just not releasing things and thinking oh i can get a tax write-off which is really annoying people so much so that the last one they were going to do this with they're now um sorting out a way for another distributor to um to release the film um so i think they might have realized that people are very very angry with this not least the creators of these projects who the 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 distributor has decided you know what we'd rather just have some money and a tax write-off than release this thing that you've worked really hard on yeah Um, you put all your heart and soul into a massive creative project and then it turns out it's like a line on an accountant's spreadsheet. Yeah, because yeah. Warner Brothers are actually an awful, awful company. Let's just put that out there. Um, every single wing of Warner Brothers, everything they do is vile in terms of putting profits over people, in terms of putting profits over creativity. Um, they are awful company. Um, and we hate them. I'm speaking for you as well, Paddy, here, yeah. by the way. Feel, feel um, free to speak for me. Yeah. <laughs> their, their, their video game... Uh, section as well their video game division also known for several of the worst practices they have a video game studios they release a lot of stuff that just surely that just makes the like horrible film tie-in games or do they make no they do they they do original stuff as well i had no Um, idea yeah no they're 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 bad um they they do lots of shady shit basically you know me i don't um, know about that i only play um <laughs> metroidvanias from indie studios so i don't know about any of that stuff <laughs> that that's all right that that's um that that's that's probably the best to know to know as little as possible um one of my favorite things so they've been making games under warner brothers games um since 2005 but even before that they had other things going on um who else was going to make all those awful awful harry potter games back in the day (laughs) exactly my favorite thing that they did um 
and and this is amongst other things is of course warner brothers did do have a lot of rights holding for um for lord of the rings Mm. and um one of the interesting projects that was worked on was um what was it called um there was there was a sort of spin-off game where you played as a ranger in the lord of the rings universe who um who was kind of like a spirit at the same time some kind of weird magic shit happened as it does in lord of the rings and they had this shill marillion (laughs) and and the developers had this really interesting mechanic in the game um where if you died the person who killed you became like a nemesis and they called it the nemesis system. So when you went back to fight them again, they'd have like buffs to certain st- stats or they'd have a, like additional power-ups. And it was a really ingenious way of um, of developing that. And people at the time thought like, oh, this is really interesting. People could take that kind of structure and you could imagine it sort of being used in a racing game where if you crash with someone, that driver is more aggressive with you in future races or things like that. You could do something really interesting with that or or, or thinking about other sort of games like fighting games, anything really, um, where you'd come up against an opponent again or, or another character again. Um, but no one's been able to work with it because Warner Brothers slapped a patent on that system. <sighs> okay. <laughs> That sounds Which like... you should not be able to patent. Something like that. That's what they say about Dark Souls, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like Dark Souls would be a perfect example of it when you're fighting a boss over and over again. And then because of that, it's something slightly different each time. You could really build on it. Um, and of course, they released Hogwarts Legacy as well. So fuck them. Which has um, now come to the Switch finally. Uh, I imagine it plays like absolute dog shit on the Switch. I'm sure it does. And I, I hope it does <laughs> so that the people playing it have a bad experience because yeah. fuck that game. Yeah, fuck that game. But uh, another recent thing. Sorry, this is the video game podcast now. Um, lots of people are grumpy because Hogwarts Legacy didn't get any Game of the Year. Oh, I saw um, that. Yeah, nominations. Why would it? It's not one of the best games of the year. Why would it get Game of the Year nominations? It's a above average tie-in game for another intellectual property um, that got weirdly high review scores because. I imagine what happened is that the publisher, Warner Brothers, uh, s- sort of sweet-talked a lot of publications and maybe only allowed them to talk about certain things in the game, which I know from my experience is something that certain publishers do like to try and do and say, you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that. Yeah. Um, which I imagine might have happened in this case because according to the people who actually played it, it wasn't very good and everyone forgot about it about a week after it came out (laughs) so that's why it didn't get any game of the year nominations because it was not great um and you know what else wasn't great this week's movie yeah (laughs) you need to get back onto it after that rant that i've just got it wasn't great Um, was it it's a musical it's it's an animated musical shit piece it's a shit piece isn't it it is well it's sort of a shit piece, but it also feels quite slapdash. I think this is just my gut instinct is that they had to rush things out and actually maybe they should have given it more time. Yeah, but I um, feel like the ambition was there, at least yes, early on in the yeah. project. It wasn't conceived yeah, from a place of craven cynicism, was it? No, so so actually um, when George Lucas, who he's, his credit is all over this, I think... Literally, the only thing he did is come up with a rough idea of the story before it moved on to other people. He's he's not a, he's not got a heavy involvement in this. He didn't write the screenplay. He didn't direct it. Um, no, it says story by George Lucas. Yeah. Um, and actually, when he first thought about it, he wanted to make an equivalent film to Star Wars for his three daughters. That's where it came from. Yeah, that and that is a good aim, isn't it? Yeah, creating something that because Star Wars did shift, although lots of girls enjoyed star wars and they're growing up as well it has shifted into a very sort of male area star wars yeah only only male people care that palpatine had sex (laughs) i'm convinced that no woman has ever seen the last jedi no i'm sorry what was the what was the bad one uh the The rise Rise of skywalker Skywalker. yeah no woman has ever seen that film the rutting of palpatine (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the one um yeah so it yeah so it comes from a positive place and 
but it is <laughs> it's a very bad film um and and the the idea behind it was sort of vaguely based on a midsummer night's dream but very loosely yeah there's there's a fairy kingdom and a goblin kingdom basically um and there's a dividing line of primroses between the two and they never cross the line so you can see here where the sort of midsummer night's dream bit comes in where you've got these two magical kingdoms um and and because it is a sort of romantic movie obviously there's some love interest involved between these two these two uh these two magical there is yeah and yeah there's elves and fairies and and stuff and you know that's all you really need to know about the setting isn't there but i i feel like from what i've read about it it seems like the choice of songs that george lucas might have had a hand in that as well Mm, okay okay and i will hold that against him because it is (laughs) incredibly overbearing if you thought the chipmunks movies were bad for just shoving songs everywhere you should go and watch Strange Magic because literally, I think within the first 15 minutes, you've had about four or five songs. I've been annoying my wife, by the way, um, with the the Chipmunks Christmas song, which I've really come round to since watching those films. <laughs> I actually really like that song and it's now part of my Christmas um, rotation. But she started listening to Christmas music, um, which I'm sure nerds think is sacrilege in November. But um, yeah, do you know how Spotify has a jam function? Oh yeah, and you yeah. can like if you're listening to it on the same Bluetooth speaker, you can join and like control the playlist. And she doesn't seem to yet have twigged um, that I'm joining her jam. She's put on like a, a playlist of Christmas songs, and it keeps coming up with that one and Dominic the Donkey and like the, <laughs> all the ones that she hates. And then she goes like, "Why is it gone onto this again?" And a, a, a drop in the occasional entry of the Gladiators by Julius Fuchit, but only <laughs> only like. Not so often as to arouse suspicion that I'm Just doing as it. Just some kind of weird glitch with the algorithm. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Like that's I really think cool. she's about to write to Spotify's customer services about it. So I'm going <laughs> to have to reveal the cons soon. Why do you keep playing Chipmunks and Futurek at me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Chipmunks. Chipmunks songs very very annoying, but I've come around to the Christmas one. So yeah, was this more <laughs> annoying than Alvin and the Chipmunks? I don't know. Not as annoying. I mean, we had to watch but, four of those. So yeah, it wasn't as annoying as Alvin and the Chipmunks, mainly because the sass factor in Alvin and the Chipmunks was incredibly annoying. And this isn't a sassy movie. No, it's it's very unsassy. It, th- it thinks it's sassier than it is, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But instead, it's kind of just dawdling. Um, one thing I will say is that they got an amazing cast. Yeah, you've got Alan Cumming, Rev- uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, you've got. Uh, Kristen Chinoweth, Maya Rudolph, Sam Palladio, Alfred Molina, Elijah Kelly. What are all of these people doing in this film? <laughs> Friend of the podcast, Sam Palladio, who will remember is in those um, Christmas movies with Vanessa Hudgens, isn't yes, he? Yes, he's in the Switch, the Switch movies, Princess yeah. Switch. Who I thought was American for ages, but he's actually British. He's from Kent, apparently. Yeah, because um, he was in the show Nashville, which I watched playing like a Nashville country singer for ages. And that was the thing I first saw him in. So I just still can't quite bring myself to believe that he's he's a boy from Kent. Ah, well, there we and go. And they made him put on like a Southern gentleman accent in this film for no reason, didn't they? Yes, he is. Um, he's he's Nazi Elvis. Yeah. Um, in this. Elvis, the would-be war criminal. Um, so... This movie, it feels like Shrek for idiots, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's like a really idiotic sort of bad pastiche version of Shrek with lots of pop songs just sort of thrown in at every turn. And the way that the songs are done is really odd. I don't know that it's even fair to call it a musical because what happens in a musical, for anyone who doesn't know, if you've never seen a musical... (laughs) What happens in a musical is usually the songs come around once. Sometimes there's a reprise um, and you'll get someone, you know, there'll be some dialogue, could be talking about stuff and then the song will come. The song will form a key part of, you know, of the story and of the characterization. Mm. And the song will be a big kind of look here. Look out because here I come. It will give you that kind of moment. Right. In, In this film. It's like they don't use the songs in that way. They're just kind of uh, flying and jumping around, singing, singing bits of snippets of pop songs at each other in place yeah. of dialogue. 
It's really odd. It's like, do you know those those memes where it's like, this is what um, Pearl Jam sounds like to people who don't like Pearl Jam, and it's someone going like imitating Eddie Vedder over like detuned guitars. It's like that. It's like this is what musicals sound like to people who don't like musicals, or it's like this is what people who don't like musicals think that musicals are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, there's there's a bit of a weird blend isn't there of them just randomly singing bits of songs and then it turning into um turning into a full song but it you're right it doesn't gel at all with the plot and another one of the things where it feels like in it feels like an idiot version of shrek for a couple of reasons firstly the musical element is part of that because in shrek you do get the odd song here and there um Sometimes just the way that the soundtrack ties into things thematically and emotionally. Shrek has multiple um, Smash Mouth classics. It's bookended <laughs> yeah, by exactly. the genius of Smash Mouth. Exactly. And then um, the thing that's more similar to, to Strange Magic is in Shrek 2, you get where Puss in Boots starts singing Living La Vida Loca. Um, and that kind of feels like what they were trying to emulate here, where it is that kind of spontaneity at the end of that. But what what the difference is... Shrek is funny and Shrek is good. Yeah. And it knows how to put in those moments. So instead here, you get song after song after song. None of them really tie into what's going on very well. And it's just kind of it's incredibly off-putting. It feels like the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode <laughs> where everyone's in a musical yeah. and they realize that something's wrong. <laughs> is you, you you get a sense at some point that someone's going to go, wait, why are we singing constantly? That's the thing. Even though it's, um, it's animated, you still get the feeling that the characters are surprised by the songs that are coming out of their own mouths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, fe- it does feel like that. It is... Yeah, it's very strange. And some of the songs um, sort of become the characters' themes, or like basically they use songs to tell you the themes instead of using dialogue or plot or anything else. <laughs> and it's yeah, like whenever they yeah. need to get that across instead of dialogue, it's like, oh, let's go back to can't help falling in love again. Or yeah, yeah, you know how it's often you know oh show don't tell with storytelling. Um, this is sing, don't <laughs> sing tell. don't tell. That's, that's actually exactly show. right. Yeah. Um, that that's exactly what's going on here. Sometimes they'll um, sing the same song, but a little bit slower. Yeah, and that that's how you, acapella. That's how you know. Um, but it's it's very yeah, it's really strange, really off putting, and within it all, you've got the other element, which is idiot Shrek, which <laughs> is oh, aren't we a funny subversion of fairy tale fairy tale tropes? Um, and no, you're not a funny subversion of fairy tales. How is it a subversion? Because the the Bog King is lovable without having to change. Is that the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so the whole thing is like, oh, love sucks. Oh, but actually, you know what? You're all right. So again, it's like Idiot Shrek. Yeah. That actually, the the that beneath the onion layers <laughs> is. <laughs> it wants to do is, like love sucks, but it's it's more idiotic idiotic than Adam Sandler singing love sucks in the wedding singer. <laughs> <laughs> I will not hear a bad word about the wedding. No, that singer, is a good film. Very much one of the few Adam Sandler films which you can actually watch um, and not hate yourself for. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is very strange, and equally the messaging is a bit weird too. Um, so the core message is fine. It's you know what, whether you're a weird, oval-headed freak fairy who's meant to look attractive, or whether you're a grotesque goblin creature, um, he's a sort of flying love... ent, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he, you can love who you want, and and looks don't matter, and perception your your misconceptions around people can be deceiving because actually how you perceive someone at first isn't necessarily true and so all of those kind of things are are fine messaging and actually better messaging than some of the other movies around um in terms of that kind of thing yeah. like some other some disney movies are quite bad for that whereas this actually you know what yeah you can be a weird gross bog king and it never tries to make the bog king out to be handsome no i don't think it's it's hateful or problematic or toxic no. or anything the one thing i would say that is problematic is the worst character in the film uh sunny the elf oh yeah he was annoying um 
incredibly irritating character. He loves um, the sister. I've forgotten the name of the sister. Dawn. Dawn. Um, so we've got two. It's 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 like Frozen. You've got two. Um, you've got two sisters. One of them has these heavily romantic ideals, and the other doesn't. Yeah. Um, the one with the heavily romantic ideals. There's a creepy, basically ducky yeah. from Pretty in Pink, <laughs> but an elf. This is essentially her. an animated jukebox musical shit piece version of Pretty in Pink. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, Bog King is the Chad. Um, and Sonny is is the cup. The Chad um, Bog King versus the Virgin the Sonny. Virgin Sonny the Elf, yes. Um, but basically, he's the reason why everything goes wrong in this movie, because he wants to go get a love potion to go and make Dawn fall in love with him, um, which is bad for various yeah. reasons. And you expect it from creepy, creepy bad Elvis green-armoured man. But you don't yeah. expect it from him because he's supposed to be a nice guy. He's yeah, and he is. He's the he's the stereotypical why don't girls fancy me? I'm such a nice guy. Um and so you expect it from the evil Elvis fairy, um, who also wants the love potion to get the other sisters to fall in love with him. Who, by the way, um, I did think was a good performance, voice performance from Sam Palladio, and I thought the oh, way yeah, they no, animated his character to be to be evil and irritating was actually quite good. Yeah, he has big um Oh, what's his face? Um, big again, Shrek, big handsome prince Lord from Farquaad. the second Shrek movie. Um, it's the second Shrek movie, isn't it, with the handsome prince? In, oh yeah, who's, who's like narcissistic. It's very similar to that, and it's done. It's actually done quite well. I don't mean that as a yeah. to discredit this film. And there's his also a moment early on where he's riding this armored squirrel. And it's like yes. a green squirrel in like green armor, and it's amazing. Like it's as this armored <laughs> squirrel is as good as like any of the versions of the armored bears from his Dark Materials, right? And I was like, I want a movie about that armored squirrel and his adventures. And then that squirrel was never shown again. Yeah, there's all of these weird little snippets of things where you're like, I'd like to know more about what's going on with that, and you just don't because it's got to focus on stuff that's less, yeah, <laughs> less interesting. Um, but going back to the cuck, going back to Sunny. Um, all would be well and good if he realised the error of his ways and was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that and I will be happy with my platonic friendship. But no, they've got to get together at the end. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that's wrong. He's a creep. Turns out she does love him, of course, because that's convenient. Yeah, Yeah, and it's just like, why did you put that in? Fuck Sonny the Elf. He should have been thrown in jail. He's a nasty piece of work. He should be in jail. He kind of causes all of the mess, really. Yeah, he causes all the problems. Really, the um, the the fascist Elvis, um, he kind of just um, uses the situation that Sonny cre- is going to create. The whole love to... potion thing is the Elf's idea, and okay, yeah, he did need to free the sugar plum fairy from the Bog King's grasp or whatever. But like, he wouldn't. He was he was in it for himself, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a dickhead. Basically, is what I'm saying. Fuck you, Sonny the Elf, worst <laughs> character in cinema ever. We hate you, Sonny. Sonny um, the Elf and Hardin Scott would get along well. Oh, they would. They would. They'd have a sort of um, uh, a sort of dominant and submissive friendship going on, wouldn't they? Yeah. Hardin Scott's like, do me another whiskey, and Sonny's like, all right, boss, I'll get you a whiskey. Oh. Please help me, boss. None of the girls like me. He's like, Can you help me get a, get, a, get a girlfriend? Fuck off. They don't like I've got me. No either. problem. I can get any chick I want apart from the one that I really want. I'm going to go <laughs> fuck your girl because I'm hard in Scott. Mm. <laughs> this is like a really bad odd couple sitcom of them. Yeah. <laughs> Living in an apartment in Seattle. Particularly if it is. Maybe hey, I hear the elves are calling. <laughs> Um, particularly if we did have horrible CGI Sunny and real life Harden Scott. Oh, in a sort of Who Framed Roger Rabbit type situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The Pete's Dragon type the, thing yeah. with the two worst, two, the two worst characters <laughs> in cinematic history together. Um, yeah, I really hated Sunny from the word go. I was like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and my piece of shit radar was not off. <laughs> He's a dickhead, and I hate him. And whoever was involved in giving him a redemption in this story i hate you especially he also just seemed to endlessly sing three little birds by bob marley instead of actually doing any uh, characterization or plot yes. and I, I really respect bob marley and his as an artist and his legacy but i fucking hate that song 
I don't hate that song. But I did hate how that refrain kept coming up time and time again. Yeah. Um, the only refrain that works is um, a little bit of a plot overview. So um, our our least favorite elf cuck um, gets the gets the love potion. It's not really a potion. It's more like a dust. Um, and um, then he's going to blow it in the face of the woman that he wants to fall in love with him. Um, like a bad but then. But then a cheeky little limp fella steals it and 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 drops it around everywhere. Um, and the the love potion ends up going in her face, but she sees the bog king, and then Dawn gets taken away because the bog king's like, "Oh shit, we need to deal with this and and sort this shit out." Basically, um, bog king, very efficient leader, actually. Yeah, knows that there's going to be a situation here and wants to get it resolved. I like the bog king. He's decisive. You know, you can't knock it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically then you get this return refrain from Dawn when she's in love with the Bog King, where she keeps singing I've forgotten what the song is, the honey bun. Sugar song. by honey bun. Sugar by honey bun. It's one of um, those actually, um annoying songs that boomers will dance to at a wedding, isn't it? <laughs> yes. But actually I quite like the way that that refrain came back every so often. One of the few moments in this movie where I actually cracked a smile was when the Bog King is showing off to the other elf that she's been bewitched by this love potion and he opens the door briefly and you just hear sugar pie yeah burn, and then he quickly closes the door on it it's like okay that was quite well done um so not all of those refrains are bad but a lot of them are i wouldn't say this film was without humor like there were bits no, that made me no. chuckle but... i i liked um the bog king's mum constantly trying to get him a girlfriend yeah um, that was that was nice. He has his two bumbling oaf um, apprentices, yeah, who kind of feel like the two demons in the Hercules Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, pain and panic. Got, got that kind of thing going on. They were fine. And when they use um, bad romance as like a military Julius Fuchik style march, that <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh quite a lot. I was going to say that was probably the best song in Julius it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The one thing that I really hated about this film, though, is the faces of all of the fairies, the supposedly good-looking faction, the superficially mm. good-looking faction. They all look like the ants from Ants. Oh, yeah. Weird, gross, oval faces. Pointy, fa- pointy chins, yeah. Yeah, with pointy chins. Not a fan of it. Oh, yeah. Not a fan of whoever made that decision. The animation, like, it wasn't bad, though, was it? Like, no, there were bits no. where it was quite beautiful. The, the scenery, I, I think some of the animators did put a lot of work into this. But yeah, the people were a bit weird. I'd say it's probably still potentially a cut above a lot of DreamWorks stuff, but it's yeah, I'd 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 say yeah. it's not it's not bad. It's it's not um... the Bog King. I thought was actually really well animated. Yeah, the the animation isn't bad, and that's kind of what you expect from you know industrial light and magic and, and Lucasfilm. They know what they're doing with this kind of stuff. So actually, for a movie from 2015, it actually doesn't look that bad. Um, the the issues are with the character design mm. rather than the animation. Yeah, and the right. animation actually, whoever was involved in doing the animating, did a good job. Particularly given that I assume Disney put you under a load of pressure towards the end to get something out of the door. Yeah, to just guff it out. Um, one thing that annoyed me is that one of my favourite Doors songs plays, but they don't actually go into it properly. Although maybe that's probably a blessing that I didn't have to hear some fucking squirrel singing people are strange some you're telling me you wouldn't have loved an armored squirrel singing people are strange <laughs> people are strange when you're a squirrel <laughs> burying your nuts <laughs> under a tree <laughs> that's the film we should have got yeah that's what we should we should have had an entire thing about um about the armored squirrel Where's our Redwall movie? You oh, fucking masters! I was reading. Funnily enough, I was reading about Brian Jacks this week. I didn't even realise he's he was from Liverpool. He's like one of the most famous oh, really? um, guys from like Scousers ever. And oh, that part of the reason he got successful was the guy who was the Beatles's English teacher also was his English teacher and like took his work and showed it to a bunch of publishers. And Redwall wasn't published right. until he was like in his forties or something. Okay. So, I remember enjoying Chad Redwall Brian Jacks. when I was when I was a little a little and 
Me too. No, there um, there's a new Netflix series coming, isn't there? Oh, is there? I think so. There was a cartoon back in the day. Apparently, Brian Jacks hated video games, but you know, you can't hold that against him. So, like, apparently, they wanted to make a Red Wall game, and he didn't allow it. Yeah, they eventually made one after he died. I reviewed it, and it was terrible. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, well, this is when I get into game development, I'm going to make the Red Wall Metro- Metroidvania unofficial fan game. It doesn't suit a Metroidvania. You know, no, I'm just going to hack um, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin and make them all mice, and that's going to be it. <laughs> but, but Red Wall's not metroidvania <laughs> There's too much time spent sitting around eating food. That's my main memory of yeah. Red Wall. No, I was reading a thing saying that, yeah, like because he grew up with rationing. Like He was really obsessed with have, like writing massive long tables with feasts on in all of his books, which I just love. Right, okay. Um, yeah, the, the, the Red Wall games... Um, the Lost Legends of Redwall. I remember I had it yeah. to review, and it was awful. Truly, oh, that's a shame. Really glitchy and and, and unenjoyable. Um, and uh, yeah. So if you are a fan of Redwall at all, uh, don't play the video games. Don't give them any money, particularly if he didn't want um didn't want a game to be released. Yeah. Oh, oh it looks gone. like okay. No, they are working on a film, but it seems to be stuck in a bit of development hell. Oh, that's a shame. But Netflix has the rights, and they are working on it apparently. Okay. 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 Um, I think what would be good is they could do it in that creepy animated style that you hate that they're doing the new Pokemon uh, TV I, show in. I after watching the trailer, I've I've come around to it. I, I actually think it looks really good and like the kind of thing that my son's going to enjoy. So, although I'm oddly, really it's, it's a PG. How could Pokemon Concierge be a PG? It's like all Pokemon <laughs> chilling in a hotel. The only series that's a U is Pokemon Journeys, and we watched the first two episodes this weekend. He absolutely loved it. Oh, amazing! Yeah, um, but all the others the are PG. The reason that this one's a PG is that Psyduck drops the f bomb <laughs> several times. Yeah, Dragonite flies down and just flicks a V sign at the camera. <laughs> Um, but no i i've come around to it i i do i find that kind of yeah it's like stop motion and then some of them are um like knitted what's the word yeah at first i was like this is really uncanny and weird but haven't i've come around to it i'm actually looking forward to it now yeah i i'm excited i think it looks lovely and it looks really nice and relaxing um and i love pokemon and it's got psyduck who's one of my favorite pokemon yeah so yeah but i don't want to see that style applied to armored mice thank you i do i think it would be great i'd love it yeah no apparently um the patrick McHale, who's the creator of over the garden wall was working on the script but he's been booted off the project and i never watched over the garden wall but um some of my friends in the lo-fi community worked on um a lo-fi mix of the music from it that was really good so i'm sort of vaguely interested in get watching that at some point but right did you ever see it Mm. No, um, it was a bit, um, a bit after my time to be watching it. Yeah. Um, because when was it? It was like this is like mid twenty tens. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was the two thousands, wasn't it, or twenty ten or something? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it was a bit after my time to to be really into that kind of stuff. Um, but I should I should watch it at some point because again I heard good things. Yeah, but yeah that that and the style of the animation style of it looks really good. So yeah. if that's the kind of style yeah. they're going for with Redwall, then I'm very down with that. Let's yeah, just talk I... about Redwall instead of um, Strange Magic. Because <laughs> well, yeah. what else is there to say about Strange Magic? To be perfectly honest, the the director had a really in, has had a really interesting career. Um, so a guy called Gary Wordstrom. Or Rydstrom, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I thought it was Rydstrom, but he Gary, has, I know you listen every week. Please write in and correct us. He has seven Oscars. Wow. Um, for his work in sound, so he has an incredible ah. um background in 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 sound, um, for um all sorts of movies, revolutionary in sound design in oh. films. So he was um, nominated for the sound mixing on the Phantom Menace, and whatever you think of the Phantom Menace. Go and listen to um, "Jewel of the Fates." That, like, that is one of the greatest pieces of film music ever written, and 
the mixing of it is perfect. Yeah, keep keep doing that while I'm while I'm talking. But yeah, put your headphones on. Exactly, that's exactly it. I mean, it's partly the the dynamics of the way that it's written, but as a, like a music production nerd, it's mixed phenomenally to bring it's out the really best good. of that dynamic, and it's really, so good. Really great. Duel of the Fates is fantastic. <laughs> really, really good. Um, so um, he's he he has won best sound or best sound editing for terminator 2 judgment day he won two oscars for that best sound for jurassic park best sound effects editing Holy for jurassic shit. park best sound for titanic best sound for saving private ryan and best sound effects editing for saving private ryan so this guy is a sound effects genius a sound genius um worked on all sorts of incredible movies with that perspective on it but then um like really I'm not sure he's ever sort of made anything in terms of a directorial thing that's been particularly prominent. He's done, uh, he directed a short, some short films for Toy Story All um, right, for cool. Pixar. So he did um, a Hawaiian vacation Toy Story. Oh yeah, I've um, seen that thing. And he did another, he did another direction thing for, for them earlier as well. Oh, um, he's also done. He served as English language director on a bunch of Studio Ghibli films. Well, there ah, you go. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, but this is like the only full cinematic movie that he's done, and I would be intrigued to see him try something else because yeah. he clearly has talent. And, Absolutely. And I think the you know there is some skill in this film. The issue with this film is the plot is bad there's too much music yeah <laughs> but this guy clearly knows movies inside and out i would like to see him have another crack at it yeah give him redwall honestly if he wants to do that i'm totally up for that i should have redwall no obviously the netflix <laughs> should sign the rights over to big boys productions yeah we should make the decisions here um and we should we should make it in house um but yeah no i think you know there is there is a talented filmmaker here and it's funny how someone who has such a skill set with sound design makes a movie where the sound element is the most grating awful thing yeah. which is the constant songs <laughs> yeah i mean it's irritating that she keeps going sugar pie honey bunch but you gotta admit it's well mixed right <laughs> it's well mixed but yeah no it's it, the, the constant the constant singing just is Oh dear God! It's not so much breaking into song as like the song breaking in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's the exact right way to put it. Um, or just sort of dripping in bits of song at random. <laughs> yeah, not a fan, not a fan. Um, it's so, very yeah, odd. It's a really, it's, it's quite strange. a disconcerting experience, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's grating, and it feels very almost uncanny. I think. Yeah. Um, so this movie uh, is a massive box office bomb. The budget was reportedly between seventy and a hundred million dollars. Box office was thirteen point six million. Um, worth noting that it was released in January. Like I said, barely any promotion done to it. The fir- the trailers the trailer for the film was only released in November of the year prior. Yeah. So clearly, Disney didn't really have much interest in this film and kind of just shuffled it out um it's yeah it is poor yeah um didn't do well with critics either right um apparently the the general consensus was that the animation was good but there's nothing going on that's of any interest um the characters look weird. It was another thing that often came <laughs> up, which, fair, they look like the ants from Ants. They've got the same weird faces. And no one should um, ever have to even think about that film again. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people did like it. Um, someone from The Village Voice described Strange Magic as the best Lucas film in 25 years. Again, I feel that's a, that's a slap in the face to John Williams and Jewel of the Fates, but yeah. what are you going to do? 
Yeah, this is worse than than Phantom Menace. I'd rather watch the Phantom Menace again than this, obviously. I actually I actually enjoy watching the Phantom Menace. It, that is a Me true too. shit piece. That that is true. Yeah, it's it is an quite an enjoyable shit piece. Isn't yeah, it? there's there's so much going on, and they're trying so many weird things. Yeah, honestly, lo- the lightsaber battle with Darth Maul, I think, is is one of the greatest action scenes in cinema, and the it's the music that makes it so. But it is so well done. Um, but I I also I think it is a far more enjoyable movie than the other Star Wars prequels because they take themselves so seriously. Yeah, and there's all of this other stuff going on. Whereas at least with the Phantom Menace, it's just nonsense. And it's enjoyable nonsense. Yeah. And th- there is a thread from that through to Strange Magic, isn't there? Of George Lucas's just like weird genius. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Just the kind of weird yeah. ideas that he wants to get out there. And, you know, because it's George Lucas, it happened, right? Yeah. And I, I think one of the one of my favourite stories about George Lucas is that he, w- he did quite like to be involved with the Star Wars video games. Um, and one of the games that he was working on, you were playing as the the main character you play as as an evil apprentice of Darth Vader. Um, and from what I remember, this this might be another game. It might not be this one, but I think it is this game. Um, he wanted your character's name to be Darth Icky. <laughs> <laughs> Darth and Icky listening then, to jizz music. And eventually they were like, "No, we're not doing that, George." <laughs> But that was that was one of his things that you wanted to see from the character. It, it's I've, I think I've talked about this before, but Peter Serafinowicz told the story on a podcast of how he did the voice of Darth Maul, and it was like the biggest thing in his whole career because he loved Star Wars so much, and it was like the new Star Wars. And that George Lucas came down to the voice recording when he was in there, and he's like, he's like never been so starstruck in his whole life, and like absolutely shitting himself because George Lucas is there, and he does the voice and like does some bits, and then like asks George Lucas if he's got if he wants to do anything, and George Lucas says, "Just make him evil." <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Which just like that kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? Like that George Lucas obviously has done some amazing stuff and like obviously is a genius who could do the most complex stuff, but if he wants it that way, then these are the kind of films that we get and I think the world is a better place for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's an interesting guy, and I, I don't think it's possible to dislike George Lucas. Lots no. of. Do you remember the hatred that people had for George Lucas after the Star Wars prequels? Yeah, yeah. It was just absolutely pathetic. All of these people being like, "Man, he ruined my movies." It's yeah, like, no, he didn't. Grow up. What really ruined them was the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, what really ruined them was Palpatine having sex. <laughs> was was rutting Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but but yeah, no people people hated on him so much, and actually he's just a he's a good natured guy who struck gold with Star Wars, but has worked on other really interesting things over the years. Yeah, and of which Strange Magic is not right among place. them. No, <laughs> no I have to say the the montage with the Bog King and her when they're singing the song Strange Magic um, is actually quite a nice montage. I thought that was really in many ways the center of the film. A montage of them talking about being outcasts and not feeling, you know, like they fit in or whatever. That I thought actually worked really well. But it's a shame yeah. about the rest of the film. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a shame about about the rest the rest of the movie. Um, there's there's something in here which could be good. It's just a shame that yeah, nothing else has come of it. I don't know what he's doing now, George Lucas. He's probably just chilling. I mean, he does loads of sort of like charity things, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so maybe he's just doing that now that he's got all of the... He, he gave away a lot of the Star Wars money to charity, didn't he? If I he did, yeah. Him. I mean, he's nearly 80, so he's earned his retirement. Yeah, well, there's other 80-year-olds off making, off, off, off making movies still. That's true. How old is Ridley Scott? He must be quite old now. Old Ridders? He must be. <laughs> Ridders. <laughs> right, he, Ridders. He must be... He must be getting that. Oh, he's, he's 85. 85. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's earned the right to just tell all the nerds to get fucked, hasn't he? He he like. truly has. And like as much as I dislike the recent um the, the 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 recent alien movies that Ridley Scott's made, he's got the right to do whatever the fuck he wants now. He's Ridley fucking Scott. He brought yeah. us Blade Runner. He brought us Alien. He can do whatever the hell he wants. It's fine. Yeah. 
And like Hayao Miyazaki is 82. He's just released supposedly his last film, but apparently is already working on another one. So, you know, like these guys all just carry on. Yeah, as as long as they've got the interest in it, they keep going. So it may well be that George Lucas is just like, you know what, I'm happy doing my stuff to make people's lives better now. I don't need to deal with this nonsense. I hope he's cooking up the greatest shit piece of all time and that he's just <laughs> going to drop it in a year or two's time out of nowhere. I tell you, George Lucas would make an amazing like parallel film to Jupiter Ascending, wouldn't he? <sighs> yes, that's, that's what we want. Come on, George, if you're listening. Come talk to us. Whatever's in his mind. We'll make it happen. We'll do it. He can He can do it. He can do it. Anyway, is there anything else you want to say about... about um, just that after the Bog King sort of becomes humanised and becomes a character, everyone just refers to him as Bog, which I thought was really unfair. <laughs> Poor little guy. Yeah, he doesn't turn around at any point and be like, my name's Clive. <laughs> which I thought would be a nice moment. Yeah. And then at the end, like in, in the absence of plot or characterization, they just sing Wild Thing, which is also a terrible song. Yeah, Wild Thing is a bad song, actually. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, so it ends in a really awful way. <laughs> Once they've tied up all the all the loose ends, which takes all of 30 seconds. Yeah, what loose, <laughs> what loose ends? Well, um, Sonny the Cuck has to find out that the, she does love him and then oh, her yeah, and the Bog King need yeah. to profess their love for each other and that's kind of it, isn't it? And evil Elvis falls in love with a... Is it a fly? He's a snog and a fly at the S- end. Something like that, yeah. Um, I have a bit of trivia for you. Okay. Um, so the Bog King's design was based on a praying mantis and a cockroach. Okay. Um, the Fairy King is modelled after George Lucas, which I did notice actually. Oh, okay. He looks a bit George Lucasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, and equally, both the sisters were meant to have long brown hair, long brown hair, but apparently to save on animation costs, they changed to one having brown hair and one having blonde hair. Right. Which yeah, to be fair, animating long hair is difficult. It's hard work. <laughs> so, yeah. Fair play, fair play. Should have made all of them cockroach mantis people. Then you wouldn't have had to do anything <laughs> whatsoever. Would it have made much difference? Probably not. <laughs> so how are we going to rate Strange Magic? Oh, let's see. How how many inconsequential, irritating songs are you shoving into a ten minute window? <laughs> Just little bits of them. Yeah, yeah. Not not that you're Just not going to get the whole song. Um, eight out of a possible twenty. I'm going to say. I don't think it's necessarily even halfway there, but there is a sort of weird charm to it, and it is kind of it's an interesting experience, and I'm glad that it exists. You know, like I'm not going to say this is a terrible film that should have been made. It is a shit piece. It's weird. It's it's sort of strange. A weird car crash of a film, but yeah. What do you think? I can't go that high for a film that is this insufferably irritating. So that I'm is a musical. With, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna go with with six for this one. That's fair. There's a there's a nice heart to it, but apart from that, it is very hard to watch because it is so annoying. Sugar pie, honey pie. <laughs> oh, well, we, all we can do is look forward to George Lucas's Red Bull. Yes. Oh, you know what? I bet he'd make an amazing Red Bull. It would be incredible. Yeah. Go on, go on, give it to George. He'd know what to do with it. Come on, George. Um, so are we starting with the Christmas movie? I think I think we should, yeah, just because I'm so behind on, on editing. So what's going to be our first one then? Have you have you? We got haven't, a list we haven't really movies? even discussed it, have we? No. Are there any classic ones that we haven't watched? Um, you now have what, to sit through five mean? minutes of us Googling <laughs> Christmas movies. <laughs> Christmas movies list tell you what i'm going to disney plus and searching for christmas and seeing what comes up (laughs) okay top picks for you top picks for me according to google jingle all the way scrooged the horrible zemeckis christmas carol Uh, batman returns and just friends (laughs) batman returns is a perfect perfect christmas movie (laughs) do you want to it's been a while since we did a horrible robert zemeckis uh i don't know if i can bring myself to watch it can you not okay okay um what else have we not done let me have a look. oh we were going to do four christmases weren't we 
a check oh, yeah. a check to make sure that, that we on? haven't done it. What's that on? Which one's for Christmases? It's the one with Vince Vaughn. But not Fred Claus. That's n- the one that with Vince Vaughn that's not Fred Claus. Okay. <laughs> or should we just do Fred Claus? That does have him on a little bike on the front, on the poster. <laughs> what would you prefer out of Fred yeah, Claus? Yeah, let's, d- let's do Fred Claus. And then if, we, Claus, if we decide okay. we haven't had enough of Vince Vaughn, we can do, we can do four Christmases. <laughs> Has Vince Vaughn been in enough Christmas movies for us to do an entire <laughs> Christmas with Vince Vaughn section? <laughs> well, let's get his filmography up, and then we can we can only finish this episode. Uh, well, some of these, I guess, it could be Christmas films, but I don't know from looking at the name. Fred Claus, two thousand and seven. Four Christmases, two thousand and eight. I think it is just those two. Oh, that's a shame. I think that that could have been amazing if he'd been in enough. Um, but no, so yeah, Fred Fred Claus. Then we'll do Fred Claus first. Vince Vaughn Christmas movie. It's the most Vince Vaughn-y time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm actually excited to watch Fred Claus. <laughs> All right then. I'd say if if you haven't seen Strange Magic, it's worth a watch, but only if you know you've got time and there's not much else going on. Um, you know, if you're if you're genuinely sort of morbidly curious, then yeah, about this irritating animated shit piece jukebox musical, then go and give it a watch, and you know, give George Lucas some love. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com, and we'll be back next week to talk about Fred Claus. Alrighty, bye bye, bye. Thank you.